Hello and welcome to this episode of Dream Talking, the podcast helping you learn English for good. My name is Jennifer and I'm the founder of Dream Talking and I'm here today with Kay Watson. Hi, yes I'm Kay and I'm the founder of Amelio, providing coaching and training for international teams with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Mm. It's been a while since the last episode of the Green Talking podcast, and today's subject is a little different. Sustainability, of course, incorporates social and environmental issues. And so today we wanted to consider the question, what does it mean to be a woman in sustainability? This links to the Sustainable Development Goal 5, gender equality. It's such an interesting topic and so important to consider inclusion when we're talking about some of those environmental mm. issues, climate change, biodiversity, etc. We so often focus on the scientific or political aspects and forget about the social element, which is, of course, the key to creating mm. any kind of change. Mm. So to start us off, let's maybe think about women in the world of work generally and where we are today in 2023. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to consider how much the workplace has changed for women over the past 40, 50 years or so. And I'd maybe like to start by sharing my mum's story. She was a lawyer in the 1970s and her view of the workplace was very much that you had to fight for your place. Particularly as a woman, you had to show up every day with an immaculate facade. And I don't know if we do need to have that image of assertion and confidence in every domain just in order to be taken seriously as a woman. Um, obviously having that role model helped me a lot in building my own confidence and my resilience, but I do hope that the world has changed and is mm. changing and that we're maybe a little bit more tolerant today and there's a bit more space for us to just be ourselves. Mm. Yeah, things are definitely changing. But unfortunately, we still have a long way to go. Um, for example, if a CV has gender on it, men have 30% more chance of getting an interview mm. than women. Uh, but that situation reverses when we have a blind CV. So there is clearly a bias at play there. And that, of course, feeds into that idea that women have to fight for their place. As you say, unfortunately, that still tends to be the case. And... Mm. Um, it's so interesting, I think, that that confidence, which is such a positive and important thing, confidence is often considered quite negatively. And the language that we use around that can be so loaded. Mm. You know, we have the concept of being bossy that's mm. seen as such a negative trait. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, did you know that the first ever usage of bossy was in the sentence, a lady manager who was dreadfully bossy mm. back in 1882. Mm. So the word itself is really quite gendered and quite loaded. Mm. Yeah, I think those semantics are so important. We often see studies that show that women are viewed as too aggressive and men are too soft. Look, for example, at the concept of taking charge. Studies mm. show that it's valued much more for men than for women. And yet taking charge is something important to do in the workplace. Yeah. And so, of course, that has impacts on performance reviews and promotions, etc. Mm -hmm. And these unconscious biases in the language that we use is so hard to even be aware of it, mm. let alone change it. Mm. 
And I think women are often so scared of being seen as being bossy or taking charge that we sometimes try to downplay our own statements. Mm. And the most obvious example of that being how we use exclamation marks in emails. Mm. But can you believe a study found that 73% of all exclamation marks in professional emails are made by females and just 27% by males? And similarly, so 70% of friendly statements made by women and 30% made by men. And, you know, that doesn't surprise me in a sense because I'm so guilty of that. Mm. I definitely try to soften my emails sometimes. I'm worried about how it might be interpreted. Mm. And yeah, it's really hard to change your mindset around that. Mm. What about you, Kate? Are you bossy? Do you take charge? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) As you say, those unconscious biases are so present. In fact, a Harvard Business School study showed that although people generally expect women to be more generous and equality-minded than men, in reality there isn't much difference around those values. So we create these situations where women are expected to be nice and men are expected to be ruthless and ultimately it isn't necessarily true and it doesn't help Mm. anyone. We find that women sometimes struggle to be recruited for particularly competitive jobs because they can be considered too nice. They can be considered too nice. Isn't that an incredible concept that our society would actually penalise someone for being too Mm. nice? I mean, if we unpack that a little bit, too nice for what? Too nice to push their company's priorities? Mm. Too nice to get more sales for their company? I do wonder if the business model that we favour which is perhaps more competitive, more ruthless, more sales focused, and maybe doesn't fit with those more supposedly feminine traits. But actually, perhaps that same business model, sales focused, profit focused, perhaps that's exactly what has led us to the environmental exploitation that's threatening our ecosystem today. Mm. So let's talk about environmental sustainability a little bit more. As a reminder, sustainable development is defined as meeting the needs of the present generation without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. That was defined back in 1988 in the Brundtland Report. So I've talked about my Uh, Mm mum. Tell me about yours, Kay. Mm, Yeah, so my mum, she was born in 1943, so during World War II, and she was brought up with the mindset to reuse, not to waste, and make rather than buy. It influenced my childhood, and I remember being dressed in cloth kit clothes, which were packs that you sent away for, and she made clothes from scratch. So my sister and I looked identical for Hmm. a few years. Obviously, this is the mindset that we're now trying to move back to. So I find that she was a really good example, um, is a really good example of a woman with a sustainable mindset. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit different from fast fashion. Sending away for a kit to make your own clothes. Yeah, Yeah. we look good. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, when you look at our relationship with the environment over those kind of 50, 60 years, we've lost so much of that understanding, that relationship, that connection with the environment, I think. And it's somehow become politicised. We're just talking about trying to ensure we're able to live on our planet and yet it's become a real political tool and a real political talking point. Mm. And so just looking at the sustainability context, thinking about our resource use, if we take, for example, the Earth Overshoot Day, 
the point in the year at which we have used up a year's worth of resources. That was at the end of December in 1970. Mm. So that meant that we used pretty much a year's resources in a year. Mm. And now, in 2023, that date is in July. So that means we're using a year's resources in just over six months. Wow. So we had sustainability being defined in the late 80s and yet consumption increasing at that time and since then. Of course, the oil and gas industry knew about climate change and the links with fossil fuels in the 70s, if not before. But we spent that time pushing for more exploitation, more resource use, more Mm. sales, more profit. And in amongst it all, this concept of our own individual responsibility for the environment. Mm. Do you feel responsible for climate change? Yeah. And yeah, what you say really makes me think, because in fact, when I was a teenager in the early 1990s, so we're talking a while ago now, I was really concerned about the environment already. We had the problem of the ozone layer. And I also personally witnessed my town changing. Green spaces were being removed uh, to make way for lots of office blocks. And so at 14, I acted and I wrote to my local council to ask why they didn't value these green spaces more, which I considered really important Mm. for uh, the people living in those towns. Um, And I I see this urge in the younger generation to change things today too, and know that it's these collective individual actions which will make a difference. Mm. And did your local council respond to your letter? Oh, they did. And it was a very generic letter, condescending, Hmm. with a very kind of economic focus on why the office blocks were so important. So, Hmm. yeah, it wasn't a very positive response for Hmm. that action-oriented 14-year-old. Yeah, and that's hard, I think, for a 14-year-old to kind of manage that responsibility and Hmm. um, trying to think about what, your role is in society and um obviously we do all have a responsibility to act but that emotional responsibility and that eco anxiety that's becoming so common is is really exhausting but it's also important to remember that it's partly a deliberate construct the oil and gas industry again boo actually created the term carbon footprint to try and get individuals to think about their impact on an individual scale Mm. to prevent them pushing for systemic change. And it worked, you know, we talk so much about our carbon footprint today. Mm. Um, And of course, gender comes into play here again. Mm. Yeah. Well, guilt is such a damaging emotion to carry um, that it works really well as a marketing Mm. tool, in fact. Um, Incredibly, a number of studies have found that women actually feel more guilt than men whether in the workplace or at home. And when you add in to that the message that we've been given that sustainability is our problem, climate change is our fault, it's exhausting. And I know from my own personal experience when my children were really small that I was really aware of my consumption habits and the environmental impact of those habits. You know, like buying nappies, I was really concerned. Mm. I spent ages searching for biodegradable options Yeah, it's a really difficult thing to live with. Yeah, I totally agree. And we actually find that overall, men's consumption habits contribute 16% more to climate change than women's. And repeatedly, zero-waste retailers find that their customers are predominantly women, despite a real effort on their part to use gender-neutral marketing. 
and 71% of women say that they try to live more ethically compared to 59% of men. Mm. So what's going on here? I don't think that men care any less. No. I don't know if we actually know. I think we can guess that maybe this is the outcome of those biases, those expectations that we have for men and women. Women are expected to take care of others, of themselves, and that translates to those kind of feminine spending habits, uh, such as buying clothing and that kind of thing. And men are expected to take charge, which then translates to those more masculine traits Mm. that are very environmentally intensive, like driving cars and eating meat. Mm. And so ultimately nobody wins because we're all being pushed into these boxes, whether we like it or not, Mm. with these really clear, heavy societal expectations. Mm. Yeah, it is possible. Although I do think we have to be careful about the difference between statistics and reality. Obviously, the statistics are based on fact. But in my experience, I've been working with numerous different charities and groups that are working around sustainability, climate issues. And I've not seen any difference between the engagement of men and women. And they're really bridging the gap and working together to create change positively. Mm. I'm really wary of putting people in boxes as well. Yeah, we keep coming back to this idea of, you know, these female traits that might be linked to stewardship and caring and being nice. But there's that big question around how true that actually is, where that comes from, and then what the impact of those stereotypes could be. Mm. And so it feels like here we are now with this pressure of being sustainable, which is felt much more strongly by women. Mm whether that's because of innate or socially created differences. And the sustainability that we have is this hyper-commercialized version of sustainability, telling us that it's our fault, telling Mm. us that we need to consume differently, spend our money differently, Mm. just creating more choices and ultimately just tiring us all out even more. And yeah, I totally hear what you're saying about the the nappies and those choices. I had a similar experience recently. I wanted to replace my electric toothbrush head and Mm. I spent ages researching it and it became an issue for me. I eventually managed to find one that was recyclable and it arrived, it was made in China, the same plastic (laughs) as usual, just a different colour. It's it's exhausting. Oh yeah. Oh, I feel the pain. Mm. So what's next then? And for women working in sustainability or who want to work in the sector, you know, bearing in mind that inclusion is so key Mm. in the fight against climate change, we need diversity if we're to stand any chance of changing things and reducing the resource overshoot, Mm. whether it's gender, ethnicity, age, socioeconomic status, you know, diverse perspectives lead to greater innovation and problem solving, both of which are really critical the system transformations needed I think to address climate change today. Mm, Absolutely and there's particular importance for women being involved in the climate crisis Mm. in cultures across the world. Mm. We need to strengthen women's rights and give women increased access to resources in order to reduce our vulnerability and create more resilience. Mm. That's actually one of the words I like to use quite a lot in place of sustainability Because for me, that's what it's all about. Creating resilience for our society, creating resilience for our planet. Mm. 
and involving women in decision making has been shown to help drive the adoption of climate change policies to strengthen mitigation, adaptation and resilience efforts. So we need more women in decision making. Absolutely. And so maybe then the question we need to ask is what skills, what traits do we need for sustainability? Mm. Firstly, I think let's embrace being assertive leaders. Let's mm-hmm. you know change the discourse on that and see yeah. assertion and confidence as something really positive. Mm. And we need to move towards sustainable leadership. It's going to be so important for the coming years. And the research around sustainable leadership shows that we need four key traits. The first is multi-level systems thinking, which is kind of that stereotype of multitasking. Our second trait is stakeholder inclusion. Mm -hmm. So those concepts of fairness, niceness. Mm -hmm. The third trait is long-term activation. So thinking about the long-term impact of our choices. And the fourth trait is disruptive innovation, not being afraid to do things differently. It sounds like those four traits fit quite closely with what we consider to be more feminine. Mm. And so whether or not your biological sex determines your personality and determines those traits, well, Mm. I think the jury is still out on that. But really, I think the most important thing is that now what we need to do is support women and men Mm. to embrace those traits, not be afraid to be nice, not be afraid to be confident Mm. and not be afraid to disrupt and innovate for good. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I totally agree. Leveraging those traits, which have up to now been considered a second priority or even worse, a weakness, Mm. they're essential for bringing positive change. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's go forth and assert ourselves and innovate. So that brings us to the end of our episode today. Thank you so much, Kay, for joining me for this conversation. It's a topic that is so important to both of us and and really essential in the sustainability sector. Thank you to you for joining this episode of Green Talking, the podcast helping you learn English for good. We'll link to all of the topics discussed today in the podcast notes, but we're really keen to hear from you. Have you changed your mind after today's podcast? What have you learned? What would you like us to talk about next? You can join the conversation on social media at GreenTalkFR. And we look forward to you joining us next time. Thanks for Green Talking. Bye.